1: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
2: Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM. And AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. We're always very, very pleased when you join us. Um, Alan Dempsey is pleased. Uh, He does the engineering every week. Uh, Andrew Herdeliska does the producing. And uh, Zach Hicks joins me in this first half hour, uh, the canon for worship and liturgy at Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to talk about his book, The Worship Pastor. Zondervan is the publisher. Uh, Zach, nice to hook up with you. I hope things are good.
3: Great connecting with you today, Pat. Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, So what's the mission of your book?
3: Yeah, the mission of my book is to try to give worship leaders, pastors, and churches uh, a fresh and old vision of what worship leading is under the perspective and vision of, of pastoral ministry. It's to kind of recast the worship leader's role as pastoral
2: Uh, I love the title of your introduction, Ready or Not, You're a Pastor. Right. Uh, What are you writing here?
3: Well, uh, I'm trying to get worship leaders to wake up. I'm trying to get us to understand what's at stake in the way we plan and lead worship services. And it's a bit of a call to say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what you already do in your planning and leading, in your prayers and preparation, in the songs you choose and the prayers that you pray and everything about what you do, it is already pastoral ministry. It's already having some sort of shaping effect uh, on the discipleship and on the, the path and the journey of the people that you lead. And therefore, it's critical. It's critical that we start engaging that intentionally. It's it's a It's a call to wake up.
2: Chapter 1 is called The Worship Pastor as Church Lover. Uh, Tell us about that.
3: My hope in Chapter 1 is to give a broad vision of what it means to be uh, what people historically have called churchmen and churchwomen, people who are just in love with and committed to the local church through thick and thin. And so the call is for worship leaders to think to think like pastors would in in kind of the classical sense of, I love this body of Christ, warts and all. Um, Toward the end of the chapter, I talk about the nature of the church as a wounded and wounding place. And we too, being wounded people, need to be able to encounter people in this ministry uh, in a way that understands. We are wounded, and we're going to be wounded. The sheep will bite to the hand that leads them. <laughs> and so uh, the goal is to is to just be able to say, hey, at the start of this venture of thinking through our job as worship leaders, it's really to understand that uh, covering over it all is an umbrella of love that gives us a perspective on how we engage everything from the people encounters to the mundane tasks of worship planning and leading.
2: Now you're going to have to explain this one to us, uh, Zach. Uh, the worship pastor as corporate mystic. <laughs> right. What does that mean?
3: I know those are fancy words uh, and and can be certainly misinterpreted, but that's kind of the goal of the book is to provide provocative chapter titles that give imaginative... Um, vision for what worship leaders are. And this particular one is just to help folks maybe who are in the trenches of weekly worship leading to reimagine the fact that as we gather, uh, it really is in a sense a mystical encounter. And all I mean by mystical is, is not necessarily weird, but that when we gather for worship, God truly is present in a unique and powerful way. And so the goal is to kind of help folks to, to wake up to that reality and to, to maybe talk to worship leaders and churches about what it would look like to anticipate the fact that if I, if I gather with the people of God for worship, I'm actually going to encounter him in a special way, nothing short of a living encounter, just like you read about with Moses and Elijah and David and all, all the great Old Testament figures and uh, New Testament figures with Jesus that we're actually going to encounter him there and reimagining that what would that do for the people of God and what would that do for our worship services if we really believed, if we really believed that God was there. And it's also kind of deconstructing the fact that in our era of post-modernity, um, we are awash in a culture that's just very naturalistic, and we've lost a sense of the world being an enchanted place, a place that the spiritual realm is alive and well in, despite our best efforts to uh, to knock it off of existence. Um, it's there, and so it is just a, a general call to to rethink what it means for worship services to to be encounters of God and His presence spiritually.
2: My guest is Zach Hicks. He's in Birmingham. Uh, We're talking about his book, The Worship Pastor. Uh, The Worship Pastor as doxological philosopher. Right. Fill us in.
3: So one of the goals of this chapter is to help us realize that every decision we make in worship planning and leading has an undergirding philosophy. And it's kind of like the introduction where I say, ready or not, you're a pastor. I also say, ready or not, you're a philosopher. Uh, you make decisions based on your philosophy about something. And it just so happens that a, a lot of us make decisions uh, with underinformed philosophies or with philosophies of pragmatism. And the call is to say, hey, for every decision you make, uh, there should be, a reason why we make that decision and part of what it means to be a pastoral worship leader is to take those decisions seriously and over the course of our lifetime start to ask deeper questions about why we're doing what we're doing. It's a call for worship leaders to ask that fundamental question why? Why am I doing this or that? And to seek answers in the scriptures and to seek answers in uh, in community and with one another as we search the scriptures and so this particular chapter actually answers less questions and asks more. So the goal is to awaken the worship leader to all the questions we should ask and then say, hey, I know it's a bit overwhelming to think about all these questions like should worship take on a certain structure or how do I think who worship is for? Is it for the non-Christian or the Christian? Um, How do I think about worship with regards to our use of technology? All those are ultimately philosophical questions that have uh, the ability to be answered within the framework of the Bible and Scripture, and so it's, it's helping worshipers and worship leaders reframe how to ask those questions properly so that we're doing that good philosophical work and working from our philosophy rather than shooting from the hip.
2: And now, Zach, let's talk about the worship leader as disciple-maker.
3: Right. In uh, the Great Commission, Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. And when oftentimes, at least in churches I've grown up in, it's never been pointed out that when Jesus says that, there's a direct tie to worship in what he's talking about. Because when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, he says, the way you do that is baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them to obey. Obey everything that I've commanded you. And these two things, baptizing and teaching, uh, I mean, they principally find their expression in worship. So uh, one of the things I try to say in the chapter is that what we're doing in our worship planning and leading is, is helping and aiding and abetting the discipleship process. A lot of times in the past, we've heard people talk about church structure and the way that ministry happens as, well, there's worship, and then there's evangelism, and then there's discipleship, as though they're three or two or three unique compartments to the way churches function. And my goal is to say those lines aren't so um, easily drawn as starkly as they have been. And one of the calls is to say disciple-making actually occurs in the moment of a worship service. It actually occurs when the people of God gather and um, they enact certain things, when they sing together, when they pray together, when they go through a liturgy or a service structure together. These things shape the journey of the people of God and start to shape their affections and orientation uh, toward God and toward one another and toward the world. And therefore, worship planning and leading is uh, disciple-making in, in, its, in its most uh, strict sense. And even more so, I, I'd like to say that it's the chief place where disciple-making happens. Um, and then the other places where it happens as well, in small groups and in Bible studies and with curricula, all those things are, are um Part of the disciple making process, but the center is the worship service, where we come to our understanding of who God is and who our relation and how our relationship with Him through Christ and the Holy Spirit works.
2: My guest is Zach Hicks. We got another segment with Zach, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the worship pastor as prayer leader. Uh, Zach is in Birmingham, Alabama. His book is called "The Worship Pastor." Uh, Just a reminder, you're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. We do the show every weekend and always delighted when you join us. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
4: What's new at the new 950 WTLN? Keep the Faith, Saturday nights at midnight. Three hours of just the right Bible message for you. Packaged with your favorite contemporary Christian music. It's new, it's fresh, it's Keep the Faith, Saturday nights at midnight on the new 950 WTLN. And
1: now on 94.9 FM. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
0: This Christmas season, Thompson Jewelers wants to remind you that you can turn your old gold jewelry into Christmas cash. Remember, WTLN listeners get 10% more for their gold only at Thompson Jewelers in Orlando and St. Cloud.
1: Welcome to Staples and happy holidays. Uh, More like panicky holidays, Staples guy. I've got a ton of holiday packages to ship. Well, Staples UPS Shipping Center is open seven days a week. Seven days. And right now you can get 10% off UPS shipping services. 10% off? Staples guy? That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. You shouldn't have. And yet I did. (laughs) Turn year-end stress into holiday success. Ship seven days a week with 10% off UPS shipping services. At Staples, make more happen. Offer ends 12-24-16. See a Staples associate for details.
5: Parents and grandparents, how is your child's math grade? If it isn't what it should be, then change it. At the Mathnasium at Hunt Club in Apopka, their proven math tutoring methods can help any student. Wait, it gets better. We have a limited number of half-price math tutoring vouchers. No catch? No kidding. Call 407-618-1760 to find out more. Call 407-618-1760 now to get your half-price math tutoring voucher. Call 407-618-1760 now
0: all these christmas cards all this money help. forget the card store visit crosscards.com
1: share the love the fun and god's inspiration for free crosscards.com you're listening to the pat williams power hour on the new 94.9 fm and am 950 wtln and now here's Pat. zach hicks
2: uh, the author of the worship pastor is in birmingham alabama and we're talking about his book zach i want you to Fill us in on the worship pastor as
3: prayer leader. Typically, when we think of uh, prayer leadership and prayer, we think of spoken elements, spoken prayer. And I just had this encounter in a worship service not long ago where someone came up to me and said, hey, I'm really disturbed by the fact that there isn't more prayer in our worship service. And what he meant by that was that we didn't pause and sort of uh, have these extended times where we were praying together and and having spoken prayer. And at first that kind of that got to me, and I said, you know, you're right, I I, I feel like we really messed up here, and, and we, just, we need to focus a little more on this. But as I began to develop a, a broader picture of what prayer is according to Scripture, I began to realize that a lot of the songs we sing already are prayers, I mean, listen to their words, for goodness sake, and listen to the psalms themselves, and the psalms are are intoned prayers, Uh, and so that kind of woke me up to the fact that from beginning to end, a worship service in whatever element is going on is really, it's a dialogue with God, it's addressing God, and God addressing us, and therefore, from every element, uh, from the moment it starts to the moment it finishes, it's, it's one long prayer dialogue, that's what a worship service is, and so with that vision in place, the goal is to give worship leaders a sense of, of how we go about um, engaging in, worship in a prayerful way from the moment it starts until the moment it ends. And so we talk about the science of song and some of the neurology of that and the way it works. But it's it's basically just to recast a worship service, not as an entertainment hour, not as um, a little warm-up before a sermon, but every element really can be cast in the light of prayer, from the the sacraments and ordinances to the sermon itself to singing and to even just our prayers.
2: And now, let's move to the topic of the worship pastor as theological dietitian.
3: <laughs> yeah, the worship pastor as theological dietitian is to help our, our worship leaders understand that, uh, though we may not realize it, the worship service is the principal place where people receive their understanding of who God is, and who we are in relation to God, and how we function in the world. Um, when we just think even of music, even though that isn't the whole of worship, I've heard it said, well, that we don't walk out of a worship service humming a sermon. And what that means is that the songs that we select are, are sticky. They stick with us more, more, than, uh, more than maybe sermons do. And in that respect, we have to start asking the question, what is, what is in the content of, of our worship service? What's in the songs that we sing? And when we look at that and mirror it with the breadth of the theology given to us in the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, and the breadth of our understanding of who God is and who we are in the Psalms. Do we have a balance? And so the plea is to say, uh, what we do in a worship service, what we plan and, and how we lead it give people a theological education. It it helps people understand their relationship with God and and, uh, understand how to relate to Him. And the goal is to say, does the breadth of that theological education match over the course of time the diet one would receive in Scripture? So it's a call to think through worship planning and leading as meal planning and leading over, you know, over weeks and months. And just as a dietitian who's trying to plan for the health of an individual by helping someone map out what I'm going to eat this week and what I'm going to eat next month and how I'm going to go through uh, various food groups over the course of time and make sure it's balanced. Similarly, we worship leaders who are thinking pastorally are going to think about the theological diet of our people and how that's balanced over time and whether or not we're, we're Matching and mirroring the breadth of Scripture.
2: Zach, let's move to the topic of the worship pastor as war general.
3: Right. We uh, worship, you look at it in Scripture, and you see that it is always tied with spiritual warfare. It's always tied with a struggle against the enemy. When Satan pulled Jesus into the wilderness and tempted him, his principle, his final, his pinnacle temptation was um, in order that Jesus would bow down and worship him. And the the concept is that Satan more than anything else wants to divert and thwart the worship of God and and put it on himself so you can imagine that the worship service being the, the central place where the people of God worship God is going to be uh, dead center of his target of what he wants to do to thwart it and so it's just kind of a wake-up call to say there's a real spiritual battle going on every time we gather and it's a battle within the people's hearts and it's a battle uh, over the people and, and to be cognizant of that. And and then even more than that, uh, I try to point out that kind of with the ancient Christians, this battle takes place on three fronts, and it takes place in the We call it the war against hell, and that's what I mean when I talk about the spiritual struggle against Satan. But it's also a war against the world and the world's conception of power, the world's conception of um, what it means to be a kingdom and how Jesus' kingdom in worship challenges some of those assumptions of, of power. And then... Uh, maybe cl- most close to home. It is a war against the flesh because it's telling our flesh that uh, our our faith and our trust is only in Jesus alone and not what we bring to the table. And every last human being on earth doesn't want to hear that in our flesh. And so these three fronts to the war are met by one one tool, one weapon, and that weapon is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This chapter is trying to expand on what that means to lead and Out of that reality in worship.
2: My guest is Zach Hicks, the author of The Worship Pastor. Uh, The next topic, Zach, the Worship Pastor as Watchful Prophet. Uh, Explain that. What's that mean?
3: The Old Testament prophets, uh, were lonely figures <laughs> who often heard from the Lord and, uh, then had to speak forth something to the people of God. And there's an element of, of prophetic ministry that is a part of the way a worship leader plans and leads, kind of like the way Habakkuk said, I'm going to station myself at the at the walls to hear from the Lord. Uh, likewise, w- likewise, we as worship leaders need to station ourselves before the Scriptures and be really uh, strong wielders of the Word of God and students of the Word of God. So that as we lead worship services, what comes out of our mouths are is, uh, are, is words and prayers bathed in Scripture. Likewise, we need to be ready to uh, identify heresy, identify things that aren't in uh, aren't compatible with the Scriptures, and be able to identify what aspects of our singing and our praying need to come into increasing conformity with the, the Word of God. I also think that part of our jobs is to station ourselves uh, on guard against idolatries that are just present in our culture, and, and how do we address those idolatries in the ways that we plan and lead worship? Um, and it's also to do what the prophets did, which is to watch out for the marginalized, the people that often get shirked in society and in churches, and how do we make worship uh, hospitable and um, something that's not only welcoming, but something that's inclusive and actually stands in solidarity with those in our culture and in our churches who tend to be pushed uh, to the outside. So It's a call for, for worship leading as a as a justice-seeking enterprise.
2: Now, Zach, let's cover the topic of the worship pastor as missionary.
3: I try to, in this chapter, imagine and help us to re-identify two things that are often at odds when people, at least as of late, have been talking about churches being missional and uh, mission-oriented, which means that they're outward-focused. And uh, one of the criticisms of the missional, modern missional movement is that worship is is attractional, and it draws people inward. And so in some discussions of church and mission, you have this opposition between mission and worship. What I'm trying to do in this chapter is to say they actually exist together in a kind of what I call symbiotic relationship. They exist in a way that mutually uh, gives life to the other, kind of like two organs that require one another to exist within a human body. And the goal is to say that worship is kind of like the heart of, of the operation of the church. And that mission are are the the system of veins and arteries that go out to the rest of the body, to the world, and give what the heart pumps um, and give life to the rest of the world. Uh, Similarly, worship and mission uh, exist at exist in that kind of way in that worship is the engine that pumps the gospel into the people of God week after week and then sends them out into the world to be uh, bearers and witnesses of that gospel and then they come back in to be refueled and repumped by worship again and so worship and mission have this, this relationship that goes back and forth together and, and it's, a, it's a call to worship leaders to think through what it would look like to have worship practices and, and worship songs and prayers and structures that allowed us to understand how worship is fueling our people and sending our people out on mission and how it's supplying them with the necessary sort of gospel tools to be able to go out into the world and then come back with other reclaimed worshipers who uh, are getting to know God and realizing that. Our job on earth is to, is to worship God and our vocations. And so it's, it's reclaiming, factory recalling other worshipers that need to know Jesus.
2: Now, Zach, let's uh, get into the topic of the worship pastor as artist chaplain. Uh, you're going to have to explain that.
3: Chaplains uh, are folks who have a kind of itinerant ministry to go out to where the people are, and one of the uh, concepts is that worship leaders who are either volunteers or on staff on churches are often um, the best bridge between the art world out there and the church world in here because precisely because they're artists themselves. And so the idea is to encourage worship leaders that uh, you all are are missionaries and chaplains to the art community. And uh, you probably have the best shot more than any other pastor and maybe more than some of the other folks in your church of being able to identify with and speak the language of the arts culture that is around you. And so it's a... It's a, it's a plea for worship leaders to think through what it would look like to go out and to identify with the artists who, uh, in many respects, are often marginalized by culture and often live in a world of constant judgment and critique, and what it would look like to be a gracious presence that embodied the message of uh, the unconditional love of the gospel, and what it would look like to help build those bridges between the church and artists. And uh, so I try to encourage us that we are the advocates for artists, and we're the we're the connecting points, where the bridges.
2: Let's get to the next topic, the worship pastor as caregiver.
3: I firmly believe that care and pastoral care has a ground zero in worship. A lot of times we think of pastoral care purely as, you know, going to hospitals and counseling people one-on-one in your office uh, or, or dealing with hard cases and, um, you know, conducting funerals and those kinds of things. And that certainly is pastoral care. But one of the arguments of this chapter is to say that worship is the front lines of that. In many ways, uh, caregiving starts with worship precisely because it, it helps people with a framework to understand how they encounter the difficulties of life and suffering in this life. And worship gives those big, cosmic, but very real answers to those questions of what it means to um, live in this life in the midst of pain. And uh, so the, the goal is to encourage worship leaders to think and plan worship services that truly are caring for the people of God and offer varying ministries to people in varying places. And one of the encouragements to worship leaders is, hey, maybe you should be out and about and visiting and connecting with people in your church so that as you plan to lead your worship services, you're cognizant of the fact of what's going on in the hearts and lives of the individuals, so that you don't end up doing something really dumb (laughs) and planning, you know, a a really happy, clappy worship service when there's a fresh wave of suffering or cancer diagnoses or uh, a miscarriage or uh, a death of someone in the family of someone in your local church. It's just being pastorally sensitive to the care needs of what's going on in in your congregation and and the implications for that in the way that we plan and lead our services.
2: Zach, we've got about a minute to talk about the worship pastor as mortician. Right.
3: Right. Strange title for for mortician, but the basic idea is a mortician is someone whose vocation is to prepare a body for burial. And similarly, in our death-defying and death-denying age in 21st century America, the vision is that worship pastors help the body of christ for our encounter with death and what's on the other side of death which is the life everlasting and so it's it's an attempt to help us grapple with suffering to grapple with the fact that we're an eternal people that see ahead to the other side it's an attempt to to do what theologians call give us an eschatological vision or a vision of the end of what we're doing
2: my guest has been zach Hicks. zach thanks a million it's so good to visit with you
3: oh grateful to be here thank you so much pat
2: Uh, The book is called The Worship Pastor, a good read. Uh, We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
4: What's new at the new 950 WTLN? Keep the Faith, Saturday nights at midnight. Three hours of just the right Bible message for you. Packaged with your favorite contemporary Christian music. It's new, it's fresh, it's Keep the Faith, Saturday nights at midnight on the new 950 WTLN.
6: And now on 94.9 FM. Christmas is the perfect time for a perfect gift. And what could be more perfect than a gift of jewelry? For 68 years, family-owned Thompson Jewelers has been at the top of many shopping lists. But maybe you have never shopped with us. Maybe you made your prior jewelry purchases elsewhere. I'm Gene Thompson, asking you to visit with us and draw your own conclusions. You'll learn why Orlando Magazine readers chose Thompson Jewelers as the best jeweler in Central Florida. The best news is that our annual holiday sale will be on through Christmas Eve. Almost everything in our store will be on sale with markdowns as much as 50% off the regular price, including our very popular vintage estate jewelry. Famous brands like Effie Collection, Levian and Love Story, as well as our Dancing Diamond selections, all on sale. In addition, we'll take an additional 10% off if you ask for it, telling us you heard it on WTLN. You can't miss it.
0: How has Focus on the Family helped you and your family?
4: This Christmas, you can give back to Focus with a donation to provide resources that bring couples closer to each other, children closer to parents, and families closer to God's design.
0: Christmas brings families together. We help keep them together.
4: Your tax deductible gift will be matched by a grant to double your impact.
0: So please give today. Go online to WTLN.com, search keyword family. That's WTLN.com, keyword family, and thank
1: you. NIV Live, a breathtaking Bible experience, is the perfect Christmas gift. Voiced by award-winning actors, musicians, and pastors, it brings Bible characters to life from Genesis to Revelation. Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The God of Israel says, let my people go. Surely your God is the
0: God of gods and the Lord of kings.
5: I have seen the Lord.
0: Where is your God? Let there be light.
1: The NIV Live Complete Audio Set retails for $125, but you can buy it this Christmas for only $29.95 with free shipping. This special offer is only available online at nivlivespecial.com. The perfect Christmas gift for spouses, parents, and grandparents. Get this 79 CD set for only $29.95 with free shipping only at nivlivespecial.com. Order yours for Christmas at nivlivespecial.com. Limit seven sets per order only at nivlivespecial.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Zach Hicks, our guest, in that first half hour talking about his book, The Worship Pastor. Linda Evans Shepherd is with us. She's in Boulder, Colorado. Her, her book is called Winning Your Daily Spiritual Battles. Uh, she's the president of Right to the Heart Ministries, Linda, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining me.
7: Thank you, Pat. It's great to be here.
2: Uh, what prompted you to write this book? Why was it important?
7: Well, I'm just tired of seeing people walking around in defeat when they could be walking around in victory. And so I wanted to write a book that would give people a boost.
2: Well, I think you've done that. Uh, let's, uh, let's plow into this. Twelve very interesting chapters. Uh, the first one is called Our Quest for Purpose. Uh, tell us about that and why that's important.
7: Well, that book is about the fact that, okay, we know about the armor of God because that was the allegory that Paul told us in Ephesians to explain, hey, you have an enemy and you need to know how to fight him. And here are some ways to do that. And so we know that, but what is this quest for? It is to protect our purpose. Every one of us has a purpose in Christ. And so in my first chapter, talking about that quest for purpose that we can all win. And yes, we can figure out what our purpose is. And yes, we can, we can fight for it.
2: Linda, then you move uh, to a question. Who are you wearing? You're going to have to explain that.
7: Well, wow. this is most interesting. Who are you wearing? Well, it turns out that the armor of God that Paul wrote about in Ephesians is describing none other than Jesus, because Jesus is the armor. Jesus is our salvation, so he is our helmet of salvation. Jesus is our righteousness. We don't go before God in our own filthy rags. We go before God in the righteousness of Jesus. That's why the accuser cannot win the battle against us. Jesus is the truth. He is the truth, the way and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. Jesus is the truth that we put around our waist. Jesus is peace. He is our peace. And we can stand on that. We can stand on the gospel of peace. He is our faith, the author and finisher of our faith. He is our shield of faith. When we stand behind him, the flaming arrows of the enemy will just fall off. And Jesus is the one we, he's our sword of the spirit, which is truth in the spirit and the word. And he is the one we pray to on all occasions. So... When we wear the armor of God, it's like, well, number one, we ask Jesus into our heart. He lives inside of us. Then we are stepping into Jesus. And so if you you could just pull back reality and look at what we look like in the eyes of the Spirit, what the enemy can see, we are mighty warriors because we are in Jesus and we are wearing Jesus.
2: Wearing the truth of Christ is your third discussion point here in your book. Uh, I want you to tell us about that.
7: Well, we need to wear his truth. It really starts with truth. I think the number one way that the enemy uh, gains ground over us, over our families, communities, and nations, and world, is through fibs, believing half-truth, not believing the whole truth. What would happen if we could play, pray truth over our lives, truth over our family, truth over our communities and even our nation? We need truth. I can remember a time I got totally conned by a professional con artist because I didn't see the whole truth. I only believed part of the truth, uh, and, you know, it was that, she, wanted, she was a publicist, and she wanted to help me. Well, she knew how to look like a publicist, but she was not a publicist. And we uh, found out that she had probably taken about $600,000 from a Christian authors, pretending to be a publicist. And it wasn't until my friends and I began to pray truth, we began to pray into the armor of God, one of my friends, together every day. And as we began to pray into the truth, our eyes were opened. And not only were we able to stop the financial drain on our own pocketbooks, we were able to come to the rescue of many other authors and shine the light of truth over that situation so that she would quit conning. Uh, these wonderful, dear people who are trying to write about the Lord.
2: Linda evans Shepherd is with us. We're talking about her new book, which is just out, Winning Your Daily Spiritual Battles. Uh, Linda, let's get into the topic of wearing the righteousness of Christ.
7: Well, we talked about this a moment ago, but aren't you glad that we don't have to stand before the Lord in our own filthy rags? None of us is perfect but Jesus died on the cross so that we could know Him, so that we He could be the mediator between us and God. And when we come to Him, it's like He lends us His own robe of righteousness that we can wear, and that is why we can come before the throne of a holy God. It's kind of like... Um, an extra layer of protection, if you will. I'm thinking about a time that there was a, a young police officer who put on his bulletproof vest one hot summer night, and what do you know? He was attacked that night. If he hadn't had that vest on, he would have died. It's the same thing. The enemy comes to attack us all the time. He stands for the throne and accuses us. But when the Lord looks at us, He sees us in the righteousness of His Son. And so those insults, those accusations fall to the ground, and they are not effective. We all need to make sure we are wearing the righteousness, and it starts when we just say, Dear Lord, please forgive me of my sins and come into my life, and please let me wear the righteousness of Jesus so I can come before you.
2: Now I want you to get into the topic of walking in the gospel of peace.
7: Well, that's a very important topic. Uh, And imagine this. Peace is a weapon? How could peace be a weapon? What if you could go into your, your most emotionally charged meeting of the year wearing the peace of God? What if that peace just radiated from you? Peace will diffuse so many situations, and it will help you gain the victory. I'm thinking about the time I was in a restaurant, and it was uh, in a converted old garage, and the, the door was open, and it was just uh, evening, and what do you know, a bat flew into the restaurant. And it began to circle the diners. And it came, it saw my table, and I guess my table looked like a beautiful cave, and it came right for our feet. And uh, that night, I happened to be wearing sandals. It was a summer night. And so I was not protected. If it hadn't been for my gigantic purse, which I swung to block the bat, that bat would have gotten under our table. And it's the same thing with with god it's like the time i was i was up on the mountain and i stepped into a nest of baby rattlesnakes and i happened to have on thick hiking boots the snakes were only about three inches long and they could not penetrate my thick hiking boots i had on the right shoes and that's how it is when we are wearing the peace of God, the enemy cannot bite us. And it starts with our feet. We stand on that peace. We stand on the gospel. And we can walk into any situation knowing who we are in Christ and wearing his peace and watch the Lord move.
2: Uh, Linda, let's talk about wielding the shield of faith. That's your next topic.
7: Yes, we all need to wield that shield of faith. Uh, I was actually at church one day, and we were praying for people that afternoon when a woman came to us, and she, turns out, she rescued children that were caught in slave trafficking up and down the interstate. And as we prayed for her, my friend did a really interesting thing. It was a rainy day. She pulled out a red umbrella and opened it up, And she invited us all to stand beneath the umbrella, and she said, when you are in Christ, when you are under the protection of the blood of Christ, you are protected from the enemy. And that's really a great picture of the shield of faith, because when we stand under the blood of Christ, and we say, enemy, you may be accusing me, you may say that I'm not good enough, you may say, you know my past you know the mistakes i made but i am standing under the blood of christ i am standing in christ and your arrows cannot penetrate me because a lot of the battle is actually for our identity and if the enemy can come and discourage us and make us believe that we are not who god says we are in him then we will not fulfill the purposes that God has called us to fulfill, we will be too ashamed. We will be too ashamed to invite our neighbor to church, to pray for that friend who needs help. We will be too ashamed. We will say, who do we think we are? Which is what the enemy says about us. That's a lie that he whispers in our ear. Who do you think you are? But who are we? We are in Christ. And we wear the righteousness of Christ like a shield around us. And those fiery uh, darts, cannot penetrate that.
2: Linda, let's uh, talk about the topic of wearing the helmet of salvation.
7: Mm, boy, that is so important. It really starts there. And speaking of identity, it starts with knowing who you are, knowing that you belong to the Lord. My friend Diane likes to ride motorcycles, and one day she was going down the interstate and she was going 70 miles an hour, and her tire, her bike, began to slow down, even though she had it, you know, going at full throttle. Well, because of that, this big 18-wheeler began to merge around her, and suddenly the air deflated out of her tire, and she begins to flip end over end. Her bike disappears, and now she is rolling down the freeway at about 70 miles an hour. Just her and the pavement. But that day, Diane had on a beautiful helmet. And when the uh, paramedics came and took her to the hospital, the doctor said, Honey, if you had not been wearing that helmet, you wouldn't even have a face today. But that helmet protected her. It kept her identity intact. And that's what our salvation is. It will save us. It is saving us. Who we are in Christ is saving us now, knowing that we belong to Him, knowing that we are His. Yes, we may make mistakes. Yes, we may trip and fall. And like I told Diane as she was rolling down the freeway, she said, I could only pray one word. And I said, what were you praying? And she said, I was praying Jesus. And I said, well, that made you a holy roller because (laughs) Jesus interpreted your prayer to save you, and you were saved. And that's how it is. We have to have on that helmet of salvation. We have to remember who we are, and then we can continue to fight for our purposes.
2: Linda evans Shepherd is my guest. Linda, we've got about a minute before the break. Brandishing the sword of the Spirit. Tell us about that.
7: Well, the sword of the Spirit, that is really interesting, because we know that the Word is God. God is the Word, who the Word is God. There is a very close relationship with who Jesus is and the words that He said. And as we begin to pray those words, then His Spirit activates. We can even pray Scripture, and that makes a very interesting weapon when we pray the Scripture because we are praying the words of God, we are praying with God, in God, to God, through God, and things results
2: happen. My guest is Linda Evans Shepard. She's in Boulder, Colorado. We're talking about her book, Winning Your Daily Spiritual Battles. More with Linda right after this. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, by the way, Uh, and this is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando right back after this, folks.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
7: Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m can't catch the
5: whole broadcast visit our podcast on the web 24 7 on wtln.com so tune in you won't want to miss it But
4: I want you to notice what the Bible says. It's so straightforward, you can miss it. Holly, your midday host here. Truth for Life with Alistair Begg isn't just on the radio daily at 1230 p.m. You can also download the new Truth for Life daily app free from your mobile app store or go beyond the broadcast to WTLN.com to read Alistair Begg's latest blog. And if Truth for Life moves your heart, you can become a truth partner and help Alistair Begg spread the word of God here and around the world. When you partner... Be sure to ask for this month's premium and make sure to tell them you heard him here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
0: This Christmas season, Thompson Jewelers wants to remind you that you could turn your old gold jewelry into Christmas cash. Remember, WTLN listeners get 10% more for their gold only at Thompson Jewelers in Orlando and St. Cloud.
1: Have you ever wondered why God gave all of those picky dietary laws in the Old Testament? Well, he had a reason for giving those rigid rules on diet, but it had more to do with a lesson he was trying to teach his people than just what they ate. So join us this week on Through the Bible as Dr. McGee explains God's view of things unclean. Weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
0: The church in America is
1: experiencing a famine of God's word. Hear the word of God spoken faithfully each weekday evening at 7 on Armored by Truth at the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: My guest is Linda evans Shepherd. We're talking about her new book, Winning Your Daily Spiritual Battles. Linda, tell us about praying on all occasions. That's the next topic.
7: Well, we need to always remember to pray. We need to consider who we are in Christ. We are His. He is with us. We are in Him, and we need to talk to Him about everything that's going on in our lives. We can uh, talk about our family, what's going on at work, our kids. We can talk about what's going on um, with our, our, our need for provision, whatever we can continue to talk to God all the time. And the really exciting thing about that is when we are praying to the Lord, we are praying to Him, with Him, through Him, and in His Spirit. And His Spirit is so important to us. And As we go back to the sword of the Spirit, I just want to bring out a couple of points about that. The Spirit is what interpret what we are praying to the Lord, and it's what gives us power to pray. In 1895, a South African preacher named uh, William Murray came to America, and he ended up at the Bible uh, Chicago Moody Bible Institute, and he began to talk to the young people, and he told them, there's one thing you need that will give you power, And he said, what you need is more of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And he taught them a very simple prayer, and the prayer was more Holy Spirit. And these young people began to pray that prayer. And as they did, they began to weep. And a great revival hit that school. And those young people went out all around the world, and they had the power. Because we can't go and fight these battles in our own power we need the power of the holy spirit and too often we are afraid of the holy spirit even churches are sometimes afraid of the holy spirit but he's our comforter and we need his power because it says in the last days that there will be a form of godliness without the power but when we tap into that sword of the spirit the word combined with the Spirit of God, then we can have that power to change our world. And it all starts with a simple prayer like, more Holy Spirit.
2: Linda, let's talk uh, about defeating the strong man. Mm. Uh, Explain that.
7: Well, we all have a strong man, (laughs) the enemy, the devil, if you will. I tell an allegory throughout the book, and in the allegory I talk about a former slave who had been kidnapped when she was only a child and had been brutally abused in the enemy's camp. But one day, uh, this great prince came and rescued her. And so she thought that she was free, and she was free. However, what she didn't realize is, is the strong man still lurked about and continued to try to capture her and to capture her effectiveness. And so she had to learn how to fight the strong man. And so we use the allegory of the armor of God to show how the slave girl turned warrior and learns how to fight. And one night, she is so sad. Uh, The great prince has gone to a far country and she misses him so much. And she makes this comment. She says, I would rather be dead than to be without the great prince. And that's when the strong man had the power to enter her house because she had agreed with his death wish for her, and he breaks into her house that night, and she realizes that her weapons have no power until she binds the strong man by, by saying, I do not agree over death for me, I speak life over me, and when she speaks life, she was suddenly able to use all the weapons of her warfare, she was able to use the word. And she sent the strong man scurrying like he was nothing more than a small mouse by the time she was through with him. And that's just how it is with us. We, we see the strong man, and sometimes we make agreements with him. We say things like, I'd rather be dead. Or we, we open up dark media and we, we allow bridges into our lives to what the enemy would like to do. And what we have to do is say, enough is enough. No, I'm going to I'm going to break these bridges that the strong man has had in my life, and I am not going to agree with what he says about me. I'm going to agree with God. God says, I am his. God says, I belong to him. God says, he gives me his power. God says, that victory is mine. I have Jesus, I have peace, and I can win this battle. And when we become alive knowing who we are, what our identity is, then we can fight not only for ourselves, but for our purposes. Because the battle now is for your purpose. If the enemy can wipe out your purpose, he can make sure that the people that God has assigned for you to influence and to bring to him will never hear the gospel not from you And we have to be brave, and we have to be willing to fight for our purposes, because when we do that, we're fighting for our children. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our workplace and for our churches and our communities and even for our nation. We need to rise up and understand who we are and that we each are called to a great purpose.
2: Amen. Amen. (laughs) Oh, Linda, you're rocking today, honey. (laughs) The book is called Winning Your Daily Spiritual Battles. Linda Evans-Shepard is our guest. Uh, let's move to the topic, Linda, of breakthrough to your purpose.
7: Yes. Well, like I said, we all have a purpose. And in the book, I have the kids. I have uh, my heroine, Mazana, uh, leading or going into the dark woods. To rescue children who have been captured by the strong man. We all have people in our lives who have been captured by the strong man. And our purpose is to shine the light, to lead the way. And they were able to go under the cloak of the Word and through the Spirit. We can too. We can pray Scripture over our lives. We can pray Scripture in such a powerful way that we're igniting the power of the Word and the power of of the Spirit together with our identities and our purposes. Like, for example, uh, James 4, 7, So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a great scripture. You can pray it. You can say, Lord, I am humbling myself before you, and I am resisting the enemy in your power, and he is fleeing from me. You can even make a declaration, I declare enemy that you have to flee because I am in Christ, and I am on mission, and I have a purpose, and I am going to my breakthrough now in Jesus' name. And watch what happens when you begin to take charge of your life with these mighty prayers, praying in the Word of God.
2: Now let's uh, move to the topic of <clears throat> victory in Jesus.
7: Well, now, there's the goal. That's what we all want. And that's what we, what we all long for. And we need victory in our lives. We need victory in every area of our lives, and we can use another weapon, the fruit of the Spirit. What great weapons to fight with. We can fight in peace. We can fight in love. We can fight in joy. When we walk in in the and we, and we grasp onto the, the fruit of the Spirit, and we walk in those things, the enemy cannot even accuse us. And so... I would recommend that contemplate on the fruit of the Spirit and how you can walk. It says in Galatians 5, 22-23, we will live in the power of God's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is amazing. And we will win every battle when we step into our identity and we get hold of the fruit of the Spirit and we apply that to every situation in our lives.
2: Linda, can you give me or give us a 30-second wrap-up on what we've been talking about?
7: Yes. Know who you are in Christ. Know that you are forgiven. Know that you are His. Know that when you pray, that you are praying to Him, with Him, in Him, through Him. And then when you put on the armor of God, you are putting on Jesus. And when you do that, you can go out and you can win any battle that the enemy puts in front of you.
2: Linda, thanks a million. I'm so glad we could visit, and uh, <clears throat> folks, you're going to enjoy this book. Winning Your Daily Spiritual Battles, Revel is the publisher, and Linda evans Shepherd has been our guest. Uh, we have a wrap-up right after this, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
4: What's new at the new 950 WTLN? Keep the Faith, Saturday nights at midnight, three hours of just the right Bible message for you. Packaged with your favorite contemporary Christian music. It's new, it's fresh, it's Keep the Faith, Saturday nights at midnight on the new 950 WTLN.
1: And now on 94.9 FM... This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Thanks for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Zach Hicks was our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about his book, The Worship Pastor. And then Linda Evans-Shepard was with us from Colorado, winning your daily spiritual battles. Uh, our thanks to both of those guests. Uh, my latest book is out. It's just simply called Humility, uh, really the uh, the power, the impact of a humble spirit. It's in bookstores now, and Amazon.com, com. Wonderful ways to <clears throat> order books in time for the Christmas season, which is right upon us. <clears throat> and um, I hope you'll have a wonderful day tomorrow in church with your family, and a great week ahead, enjoying this wonderful, wonderful Florida weather. There's a reason we live down here, folks. <laughs> and uh, these beautiful days in the wintertime are a big part of it. Back next week and for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950. WTLN.
5: And grandparents, how is your child's math grade? If it isn't what it should be, then change it. At the Mathnasium at Hunt Club in Apopka, their proven math tutoring methods can help any student. Wait, it gets better. We have a limited number of half-price math tutoring vouchers. No catch? No kidding. Call 407-618-1760 to find out more. Call 407-618-1760 now to get your half-price math tutoring voucher. Call 407-618-1760 now.
1: The intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN Orlando, a service of Salem Media Group.